Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Oh, we've got the goods this week on The Pinball Show. We celebrate the legacy of a pinball pioneer. We talk Gary Stern's recent interview with Barstool Chicago. Stern pinball production updates for games and accessories. The Toy Story 4 stream along. Updates from the Pinball Brothers and their new Queen pinball title. Chicago Gaming Company waiting on topper parts and a possible temporary resolution. And pinball market trends. Oh, and uh, Dennis rips on me a couple of times, so y'all will love hearing that too. Welcome to the Pinball Show, episode 107. I'm Zach Minney alongside one of my great buddies, Dennis Creasel. How are you, Dennis? I'm doing pretty well. Or as you know, as I often quote, you've got a friend in me. Oh, a lot of people were singing that this last week. They they apparently were. Pinball is full of friends. But unfortunately, we have to open with some sad news. Oh, man, yes, we do. We lost a pinball pioneer this last week. Wayne Nines passed away at the age of 104. Coincidentally enough, I think the day after his birthday? Yeah, I believe so. I believe it was the day after. 104. Wow. It designed over... I, I looked this up, and is it, this can't be true. Designed over 175 pinball machines for D. Gottlieb in the 50s and 60s? Well, you know, I don't know the full range of where you do the cutoff. My understanding, though, is yes, he did actually have 180 pinball designs. Whoa. However, 159 only, uh, only yeah. <laughs> were, were produced. Jeez. So he is he is one of, or if not the most prolific pinball designer of all time. I, I yeah. hedge on it because depending how you count, like multiple player versions and such, it's sort of between him and Ed Krinsky, who was also oh, of Gottlieb. Yeah. So, uh, but the volumes of both of them are, it's just not like, you know, we think today pinball is different than, than, <laughs> than how it was in the EM era. Sure it is. would not have been unheard of for Wayne to do 10 games in a year. Yeah. Different, different, different layout games. Yeah. And yeah. I, I heard you talking. We ain't talking Shrek, Shrek family guy, Rethi. No, I heard you speaking about, um, about the legacy of Mr. Nines. I forgot what it was on. I heard you talk about him not only being a designer, but really kind of a prolific engineer. Uh, yes, and it might have been one of my interviews with either uh, Ryan Claytor or Nick Baldridge when mm-hmm. they had their Coin Op Carnival, the first uh, volume of that is actually about Wayne Nyans. Okay. Um, and I would say, at least, and everyone's going to have their own opinion on who, like, who are who are your favorite designers, who are your favorite designers of the EM era and all of that. To me, Wayne is actually better known for, for at least for my part, his engineering prowess than the designs themselves. Mm-hmm. And I know you were doing some research this morning regarding some of the patents he holds. Yeah, I, uh, I think it was, this is via maybe Pinwiki, but said that he holds very important patents. For example, the electric switching device, which is what we know today kind of as the pop bumper spoon switch. And then also the two-player pinball machine, 1972. This was from his Challenger Kind of an an odd attempt at a two player head to head pinball machine, but I'll uh, I'll tell you one that uh, that was Wayne's favorite. It's not it's not patent, but okay. as from an engineering standpoint, mm-hmm. and it's so 
It's, it was his game Queen of Hearts, which I do not believe I have ever had the opportunity to play. I'm not it's familiar. from, yeah, it's well, it's it's real old. It's from December 1952. Whoa! And so it's a card theme, and and the gameplay is really popular. And I think the reason, in part, is because of what Wayne did with this was back when gobble holes were still a, a okay. primary idea. So for those not familiar, gobble hole is where the ball will fall into a hole and that takes the ball out of play. You've lost the ball at that point. On Queen of Hearts, there are five gobble holes, which represent various playing cards. Okay. And what Wayne wanted to do with it is that you would get replays, and I guess a certain number of replays for certain hand combinations that you would build with the gobble holes. Like if you you shot a full house or a four of a kind, for example. Okay. Here's the thing. The problem is this is back before we have printed circuit boards and microchips able to keep track of stuff. So you've got to do this all with electromechanical equipment. And the problem that he ran into was a pinball, and the pinballs were the same back then as they are now, they don't weigh enough to close a rollover that has a lot of switches stacked together. In fact, you can only reliably close three st- sets of switches maximum with a pinball. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Well, because nowadays you wouldn't, you, we don't need it. Yeah. Like we just, we have a micro switch or an opto or we do whatever. We, we throw it in memory. Yeah. 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 So, but he needed to have it stacked so that based off of what cards were where you had to, you know, you have to close certain switch combinations and all that. And Wayne sort of obsessed over this design and he ended up being able to come up with no computers, a solution around the entire problem. He was able to implement his replay features and it was ultimately, in his view, his greatest engineering masterpiece he ever achieved. Well, I can see why. So it's just uh, the way he worked around it and came up with a whole new circuit to do that. Not, not one patented, but ultimately made a very, very successful game for himself and for the company. Wow. And that legacy, that wasn't short-lived. That It was throughout his whole lifespan that he was so into pinball. I remember him doing interviews, you know, <laughs> up in the late 90s early 100s still mm. doing interviews about pinball and his love for the for the game that reminds me of wayne's successor and mm-hmm. krinsky at gottlieb he was sort of he wasn't passionate about pinball a lot of people may not have known that but I like he went in he really viewed it as just a job and he he did it and he, he kind of did that grind whereas wayne really had a love for the game mm-hmm. and just different different perspectives but but you know, to run over a little bit of the history on it, because obviously he he Wayne was in the hobby for so long, in the industry for so long. I mean, he started in pinball in 1937. Wow. Yeah, it was with a was a with a company no one really knows about anymore called Western. But in 1939, he joined Gottlieb, and that's where he spent his entire pinball career. Okay. And, I mean, he he did have a break because, like many, he served in World War II. Wow. So. But he went back to the company after the war, and Gottlieb actually went into war production during the war. So they weren't making pinballs mm-hmm. that entire time period. Uh, and when Wayne came back, he was, you know, he 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 did not start as a game designer. His first game was actually out in 1949. So a little bit after the inventor of the electromechanical flipper, Harry Mabs, had put out his his flipper game, Humpty Dumpty. Oh yeah. And then Harry left Gottlieb. Uh, I don't know why he went over to Williams. I I know the suspicion is because of money. Like he he okay. expected to get uh, significantly paid more with the you know the flippers really changed the industry. But so he left, and so in '51, Wayne became lead designer, really only designer for most of that time period. Mm-hmm. So 
And so from 1951 through through a point in 1965, he was an active game designer. Mm. And then in 65, he became chief engineer at Gottlieb. And Ed Krinsky came on board to be the new lead designer. Successor. Yeah. And then, yeah, so then, so he was chief engineer. Then in 71, Wayne became director of engineering and product development. And then eventually in the 70s, he transitioned again to his final position, which was vice president of engineering. So you see, mm-hmm. there was this huge emphasis for in his career on the engineering side, mm-hmm. even though he did spend many, many years as a designer. And so he did that all the way up until a point in 1980. And then he actually went through most of 1983 as a consultant to Gottlieb. And then he was like truly retired after that point. Well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> but but still, you know, still, uh, you know, still passionate, willing to talk to people. And one of the things I know, because I, I never interacted directly with Wayne. But one of the things I remember a lot of people always pointed out is because there was a lot of stuff around his 100th birthday, a lot of interviews, a lot of discussions mm-hmm. with him. And it was just that he... His mind remained extremely sharp, mm. so he could recall all of this stuff. And I remember reading in one of the interviews, one of his biggest frustrations was that he no longer mentally could construct the Queen of Hearts circuit. Like he's like, he, <laughs> it, it, it frustrated him to know that he didn't have it in him to develop it from scratch anymore. To do he, something he would that try to. most humans he, couldn't do any yeah, well, time yeah, in their lives. Yes, yeah. but, but, you know, he's like, I remember my peak. And it's like, he's like, I sit, I sit and I try and remember and come up with the circuit. And I just, I can't, I know I did it. I don't remember how I did it anymore. It's just one of those, but he remembered so much of so many other things that he worked on uh, throughout the process and throughout his career. And uh, now I'm assuming because you've, you've typically leaned more modern pinball uh, that you've never owned a Wayne game. You know, I'd have to go back and look. I would say that there's a good chance that at some point in time I have owned a Wayne game, but not knowing that I did and and very short lived. I've not kept any EMs. I've never owned even a wood reel, but not not kept EMs for a long time. Some of the notable games, Dennis and listener from Wayne Nines include Pioneer, 300, Soccer or Super Soccer, Spirit of 76, probably one of the most popular, Buckaroo, Happy Clown, Shipmates, World Fair, Slick Chick, Gaucho, and even more contemporary stuff that was remade, uh, rethemed, skinned, Paps can crusher and Wonelli. those two are you know that's a little that's a little weird one so sure, i guess for because sure. those are seen as well at least Wonelli is a is a dennis nordman design and and it is uh the the thing is that they're based off of off of a wayne game from 1957 called continental cafe and so they're sort of somewhat of a conversion the rules and how they score are, are significantly different. different yes uh, though again and people can correct me if i'm wrong but i think i read in one of the interviews with wayne nyans that that got brought up like oh you know continental cafe was used as a sort of like this basis for wonelli and and some of these other themes mm-hmm. and i think if i remember right wayne goes Primus, really yeah. that wasn't one of my good games oh <laughs> so, <laughs> it reminded me of when barry osler told you that popeye's not a good yeah, game why do you like it like, really that's the one you want to talk about yeah, yeah. yes so so yeah the obviously really really famous ones i'd say a lot of uh historic collectors wood rail type collectors love slick chick that's always the one i, well, we, I, hear about. I do hear about that um, yeah but the one i owned of his oh. which isn't wasn't one of his notable ones but uh and the oldest game i've ever owned was 1956's uh gottlieb scoreboard score hyphen board there have been multiple scoreboards yeah mm. it's a it's was my first experience with what i call middle pop pinball mm. where there's a pop bumper spanish eyes is the most famous of these but there's a pop bumper at or below your lowest set of flippers okay 
kind of in the middle of the game that allows the ball to go back up into play. Mm -hmm. That actually, just for my, you know, selfishly for my part, got me really curious about middle pop and all these different designers that worked on these really weird, obscure kind of uh, layout games that used pop bumpers in a really creative manner. And ultimately, I actually, I wrote a whole article about them back in 2018. It's over on Pinball News called, because I'm super creative, Middle Pop Pinball. Oh, Twippy Award finalist written article. That my whole interest in that stemmed from owning a Wayne Nines game. Dennis, I don't know if I've owned a Nines game, but I can't say I still have a favorite. I've played, I I haven't played close to how many he designed, but there's probably a handful I've played at shows or, or different buddies owned. My favorite, it's actually uh, soccer or super soccer. Oh, okay. I really like that game. It's its a lot of fun. My my buddy had one. He had a really clean example of one. What I loved was that back box display. Oh, yeah. No, it's super. Oh. It's super cool. We had one of those at the Kansas City Pinball Championship okay. by, in the free play area a few years ago. Yeah, and I love the concept of, wasn't it the, the balls collected throughout the game uh, mm-hmm. roll into the bonus kind of thing? Yeah, I think that's how it worked. Man, I love that concept. That was really fun. That was almost like, a, for me, it's like, okay, I can get behind one of these older games because it may be points, but it's still something kind of moment-wise, there a task-wise. Moment. Yeah, you get the back box out of you see that tangible ball that counts for a golden ticket or whatever. I I really just love that. He is extremely influential to many throughout this industry. Our industry would not be the same uh, without his legacy and all that he has brought. A lot of concepts in which he brought to this to this thing that we call the perfect game are things that are going to go on for decades. People are going to utilize his expertise and his knowledge, his genius. Um, He will be missed. Our thoughts go out to his family, his friends, all affected by him and had the joy of of meeting him. Um, I will say this, at age 104, Dennis, that's one hell of a high score that I don't think anyone is going to be. Steve Kordak got close. He did. Uh about a hundred, a hundred, almost a hundred and one. Mm-hmm. When and and I think Wayne, to my knowledge, you know, he's the last. He was the last of the Wood Royal designers yeah. that was still with us. But thankfully, he shared so much of his knowledge of those days because a lot of this stuff isn't in written record. If they, unless these uh, employees, these workers, these designers share their stories, we wouldn't have them. And there's a lot we lost from the early days of pinball that didn't get shared. But mm-hmm. Wayne gave us as much as he could so that we would actually have a good history of what went on at Gottlieb and, and in the industry as a whole during those decades of formative development. Well, thank you, Mr. Nines. He's given a lot to the hobby. It's it's sad to see him go, but uh, his legacy will definitely live on and he will be missed. Welcome to the Pinball Show's Top Stories, I'm Craig Bobby. Let's start out this week with a little news from Cactus Canyon remake manufacturer Chicago Gaming Company, who is considering bumping their upcoming SE Plus runs ahead of the LEs because the company is still struggling to secure parts for the game's topper. Say what? The company is considering the possibility of shipping SE Plus models without the topper, and then once parts are secured, sending out the toppers later. Say what? 
Now remember, the SE Plus and LE models come with different electrical components versus the regular SE that allow the topper to function. The ongoing delays have impatient Cactus Canyon SE Plus and LE buyers refreshing their emails like crazy, waiting for their shipping confirmations since the game's formal announcement at the Chicago Pinball Expo in 2021. Of course, the regular standard editions with no toppers have been shipping out to buyers over the past few months to much fanfare and great reviews. Beyond the toppers, all Cactus Canyon buyers are eagerly awaiting the new software upgrade kit, which will contain upgraded code for a yet undetermined price from both Lyman Sheets and Josh Sharp. Josh has continued on at CGC to help with Lyman's final code masterpiece since Lyman's untimely passing at the beginning of 2022. Now over to Jersey Jack News, where a couple of weeks ago, some of you may remember seeing a picture of their unlicensed dialed-in machine on a production conveyor in the JJP factory touching off some hopes that JJP might be vaulting that underrated Pat Lawler title, or <gasps> maybe another title, please be pirates, or maybe even a rethemed Hobbit to the new upcoming Rings of Power TV series coming soon on Amazon Prime? But alas, no. Calm, calm down, everyone. Calm down. Jersey Jack confirmed to me that in fact it was not a vault tease, but simply one of their own demo games for marketing that was put on the line to be boxed to bring to an upcoming trade show. It was a simple photo op and nothing more. Damn it! A bit of a slow week in the world of Stern Pinball beyond hundreds and hundreds of Godzilla and Rush Pinball machines going out the doors, we have word that Stern is getting set to end production of Steve Ritchie's last Stern title Led Zeppelin to make room for newer or better selling titles despite that title still being an overall production success. And lastly, for those that missed last week's TPS episode with special guests Joel Engelberth and Zach Many, or those that are still scratching their head about what really happened, I thought I'd summarize what we'd learned from the Stern Pinball booth at Comic-Con in San Diego with special guests Ozzy Osbourne, Todd McFarlane, and even more bizarre, the king of Mexican wrestling, El Hijo de Santo! Santo! So here's what we learned. That Stern's next pinball machine will be none other than Venom Pinball. That Stern's next pinball machine will be an Ozzy Osbourne music pin. Okay, Black Sabbath. Jaws. James Bond. Sonic the Hedgehog. Toy Story 1? A Mexican wrestling-themed puzzle with some Todd McFarlane art? Some interesting celebrity appearances and good times playing pinball? Oh god. So yes folks, unfortunately not much was gleaned from this event other than what shaped up to be the mother of all pinball teases, innuendos and trolls by Stern Pinball themselves. Oh yes, and the pinball world was so amused. In fact, Stern's marketing antics got buyers so revved up into a pinball buying frenzy and then threw them right into the loving arms of the Pinball Brothers. With their latest, perfectly timed, yet dare I say it, somewhat lackluster, release of Queen in Concert Pinball. Anybody find me somebody to love. And despite Zach Many's very logical and 
yes, educated explanation last week on how this was somehow all very well planned and understandable that Stern doesn't do new releases at Comic-Con or pinball conventions anymore. But as a fan, I still feel it's all somewhat of a letdown and a bit of a marketing miss for Stern after orchestrating the monster of all new pinball hype trains where all signs simply ended up pointing to yet more Godzilla and Rush production. Now clearly something was brewing with Stern and that good old, and I do mean old, Prince of Darkness Ozzy Osbourne, along with comic artist and Venom creator extraordinaire Todd McFarlane, but as usual, loyal and new starved pinball fans are treated yet again to another helping of, we shall have to wait and see, as the good old ways of keeping all your pinball production cards hidden until the 11th hour when inevitably someone breaks rank and leaks it all over the internet anyway the night before a scheduled release date is still very much alive and well in the world of pinball. Nope, no two to three year look ahead for you pinball fans, unlike what movie mogul genius Kevin Feige of Marvel Movies treats its fans to every year at Comic-Con. Nope, nope, nope. Instead, pinball fans get winking emojis and who knows laughing emoji, laughing emoji, when asked directly on Stern's Facebook pages what's coming next for Stern Pinball. Ah uh, well, not to worry Stern, your legions of adoring fans still love you, even if you do still treat us all like impatient spoiled children before Christmas morning. We'll still be there to unwrap your next beautifully created, licensed pinball treasure. For The Pinball Show, I'm Craig Bobby, catch you on the flip side. Dennis, you've been doing a lot of walking lately. I hear on the Collected Gamers podcast. That's Tony. It's almost become an exercise podcast between you two biking and That's walking. That's Tony's walking. Uh, to- I've mostly been biking, except when they're patching the asphalt. You're a- <laughs> Does Tony have any pets? Uh, they have, his family has like three dogs. Oh, I wonder if he ever takes his dog for a walk. No. <laughs> They're like they're like small dogs. The, okay, they, small they, dogs I, don't need. They just. Walks. I think small dogs just sort of roll, <laughs> kind of roll around. That's what bulldogs do. Uh, does Tony have any birds? Uh, always, not to my knowledge. It's always about the birds. Isn't it? Why do you? The you only reason birds. I bring this up it's is so because weird. this last week in pinball, the dog walk is a show uh, featured on Barstool Oof. Chicago, and they interviewed co-owner of Stern Pinball, Gary Stern. The Gary Stern? The one and the only. I found this interview very interesting just because it came from a a non-pinball enthusiast. Did you get a chance to watch, I guess watch, it was a YouTube video, but watch this interview? Yes, I did watch it. There's a lot of notable pieces in here for me. Yeah, things you as a distributor didn't even know. Absolutely. And I have just- Did you know Stern has 85 to 90% of the market? I'm always interested, you know, year after year- Well, they don't, but year after year, they're (laughs) at least their estimation, because you can take those estimations and use that as a, as a database to their perception of rising or falling, uh, you know, market security, if you will. So sure. I've heard before 95%. I've heard before Stern individuals say 70%. Gary Stern claimed on this interview that Stern pinball has about 85 to 90% of the market share, uh, in this industry. That sounds about right. If anything, maybe conservative. I mean, I just, I don't know. Sure. We also often heard, Dennis, that whenever games get made, 50% go overseas and 50% stay domestic. 
We used to hear that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, as an update, Gary Stern said in this interview that the export numbers are roughly 35 to 40% of their games. I don't think that's surprising. I don't know if that is a change or if that's just a more accurate statement. you know, it depends how far back we we go sure, to claim sure, sure. the last statement. But given the like the current market with and the strength of the dollar the, versus yeah, the, dollar. the currencies of other countries, like for example, we've been hearing a lot about how expensive it is for Australia to get a game. That was a big point of discussion with Toy Story with mm-hmm. Jersey Jack Pinball. So it would in no way surprise me that the percentage of U.S. sales has simply become larger because it's gotten exceedingly expensive for foreign markets to import mm-hmm. yeah and as a and that may shift in the future so. it, it sure could it, especially in the next year or two and as a distributor myself listener i there are times where uh, i don't think it's a problem for me to say this but stern pinball will uh will contact me weeks after a game is announced and we all all of our all of us dealers have allotments and such and they come back and say hey zach are you interested? I know you said you wanted this many. We weren't going to, we weren't able to fulfill that, but uh, were you interested in five, 10 more units? And I say, yeah, what, what, where are they coming from? And they say, well, the plans for overseas dealer X, something fell through or the shipping charges right now or the cost or the, the value of the dollar or something like that. They had to back out of their initial allotment. So, so oftentimes the allotments um, are configured that way, but then they come back to the U S before they're produced. So that makes sense to me. We've heard many times before Stern Pinball has 300 employees. That was always kind of like the golden you know, three, 300 employees work over there. How many do X manufacturer have? It was a comparison number there. Gary Stern talked about that to, to Barstool Chicago and said there are, th- I love that he knew, he knew specifically 303 employees that do assembly on the line. And that's, that's not counting other jobs within the company. He said, overall, you've got a lot of people, whether it's coders at home or sales that are in and out of the office, but the cubicle and the office employees is what I'll call them. He said, quote, well over 400 people in quote in total. Oh, now on the assembly uh, count, cause it was so specific. Do you think he like knows all of them or do you think they're, he has memorized the formula and he just remembers the number of microwaves <laughs> right. and he's able to do a division thing and it gets him a multiplication. And how would he, gets he know how many? 303? That's impressive. It's like he signs every one of those paychecks. You want to, yeah, well, that's true too. I bet he knows a lot of them. I can see him being pretty involved with that, uh, with that company, even if he doesn't have to be. He also talked about having three centers of, of, of market, um, that is buyer basis. He talked mm-hmm. about the commercial locations still being a viable thing. Collectors and enthusiasts, those that are always looking for all of the extra glitter and extra features. And then he said the rec room buyers, those are kind of the pin buyers, somebody that wants a pool table, an arcade machine, and a pinball machine. So he sees those sectors being in three. Commercial, collectors, enthusiasts, and rec room buyers. What surprised me even more, Creasel, was that he indicated, Gary Stern indicated, that probably 70% of their pinball machines are no longer commercial focused. 70%. Right, right. He used to, I always remember when he used to say it was like 50% commercial in it. I remember back then I always thought, really? It's still that high? I thought so as well, but it's still, I would have never guessed it to be so heavily 70% non-commercial. Really? I would have never. No, I wouldn't have. I, I, I'm not, especially post pandemic. I'm not as surprised about that number, 
just because so many locations went under. That's true. And it, it also made me think, well, it's no wonder they're pushing this, this other uh, level of pinball machine in the home pin. If, if over 70% is non-commercial, of course they're going to try to squeeze out, well, where can we grow within that home market environment? I, I did like the part, I didn't know if you were going to touch on it, but there was, it seemed there was a part in the interview where Gary kind of let slip that he thinks the pin is still too expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the because the interviewer are. kind of was like, yeah, 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 I remember that. But I, do you think they could ever get the bomb down on the pin? I don't see it. Uh, I mean, th- there'd have to be more significant changes to it. Like, one of their points of pride right now is that the play field is the same size as a standard pinball machine's play field. That, that w- might have to be the compromise. See, I, and I, I think don't that's know. a good thing to keep. I don't, well, yeah, it's like, because it, if that's you a good change point. too much, it becomes a, a mere toy, mm-hmm. right? Not, not a, a close approximation to a piece of commercial equipment. So I don't know what I else wonder you where that really threshold sacrifice. is though. Where's the threshold between it being a real pinball machine and a toy? Hmm. Boy, that's tough. well. For some people, the threshold is already what what the difference is, and that is there's no true, ability true. to operate it. There's no coin mechanisms. There's no software to well, maybe the software's in there to let you mm-hmm. have coin mechs, but you can't you can't route it because it's not capable of being routed. And it's as simple as that. That's the threshold people. Yeah, would but use. I don't like that one because you don't. Have, of course, you don't. Well, no, you don't have to. It, just because something accepts coins doesn't necessarily mean that it's not pinball. You know. Well, I didn't. It's yeah. There are others that would say they're all toys, Dennis. You're being silly sure, by sure. acting like one isn't a toy. And technically, I would agree with that. I'm it talking about still, the feeling of toy. pinball. Utilization what? of oh, that God, size ball, I would think, feelings. is pinball. Right. It's, it's by that definition, like the one, the little, the little America, the America girl doll pinball is pinball then. Because it's, I mean, it's Yeah, but there's it's something in ball, there that falls flippers. outside of pinball. We'll have to expand upon that in another episode. No, well, let's never revisit that. Might be fun. Gary Stern was talking to this individual about their different tiers, uh, different models of their cornerstones. He talked about Pro Premium and LE, and he said there's a thousand LEs for each of the game. But the way he discussed it, it sounded almost like a new standard to me. I could be wrong, but uh, he was like, there's a thousand LEs, just very, you know, very matter of fact. And I'm like, well, I can almost guarantee that next game is going to be a thousand at least. Mm. Uh, it's probably, I would think it's probably safe to say that it's the new baseline for LEs. Like they're going to default to assuming they're going to do a thousand LEs. And maybe if their market research is saying, ah, this, this license might be a little weak. Let's scale it back to 750 on this one. As we've seen, as we've seen significant changes in the marketplace over the last three months, Dennis, I'll ask you this. Do you think it's a smarter idea or what do you think Stern may do if they know that a change has to be made either on price or on unit distribution for their limited edition models? Do you see them keeping the same price and backing off of the units produced or keeping that 1000 standardization of LEs and reduce the price? I think, I think they'd adjust the price. Okay. I have a hard time thinking they'll ever go backwards on price. Uh, yeah, I see, I see what you're saying, but I just don't I don't necessarily think that. Why would they go back on the number of units? May I? I'm struggling with it's that. A li- a thousands. It, it might be a slippery slope though if they go back on the money because then people consciously or subconsciously might think, 
well, I'm going to hold out because if it doesn't sell well, they might reduce it, you know? Yeah, Whereas, but again, the, in the whole history of the hobby, that that's only really happened on dogs, on dog themes, dog games. Oh, right. I, like I mean, themes. in any other business, it's normal to think that there'll be like a fire sale on stuff that's not moving. That's a good point. Stern, yeah, that's true. Stern run. Uh, you know, this is this stuff that's happening lately is is much more a recent phenomenon. And and that being said, you as you know, Stern doesn't like they don't warehouse a bunch of games. They so, do not. No. That's they the really operate on this more right. It's the dealer's jobs, but again, that only goes so far. They they do a certain amount of you know, like we're going to have orders and we're going to build the order. So they're doing build the order, and because of that, they just don't typically have lots of surplus games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's I don't think it's an issue. Um, and if they drop the price, what I think if they felt they needed to, what they would probably do, and it's just a guess, would be they drop the price and be like, okay, this is going to go down, but the Obviously, all the other LEs that sold, sold at the old price, so it's still going to be a factor. Mm-hmm. And all the other older games might even hold their own pricing outside of the LE models, and they'd only drop on the new, you know. Yeah. I could envision a world, just like how you, for up until the start of this year, you could get Deadpool cheaper than you could Godzilla, even yes. though they were going to have the same build date. Yes. Yeah. So Anyway, Very it's true. tough to say. But. Very true. I find it just so amusing and interesting that Stern Pinball always finds a way to allow other companies to take risks and chances and then they just sit back and observe how that goes down. It just feels like that with me, especially the recent release by Jersey Jack Pinball Toy Story 4 where JJP bumped up the LE number as well as significantly increasing the price of the collector limited edition as well, but more so on the collector edition. Stern kind of just, they're always positioned perfectly to sit back and be like, we're kind of at a, a, a crucial crossroads here in the market uh, over the last two years. We're going to allow another company to throw their hat out there. and let, Let's see if there's arrows that go into that hat or if that hat's fought for to, uh, to put on people's heads. That's, uh, that's simply a, a byproduct of being the market leader. We see the same things uh, in, in politics. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm pulling political science reference. What about, but, what about watching? But when people are same in the thing? lead, people are in the lead, they don't take risks. Because yeah, yeah. you're already winning, so why do you care? Mm. You only take the risk when you're in trouble. I see. So why should Stern have to take a They have 85% of the market. So, of course, let JJP take the risk. Stern has everything to lose and very little to gain if the risk play goes bad sense. for them. Is that Whereas why a you- little, a little, you know, wannabe, a startup, you know, company, they need to get footing. Make, they need splash, to get yeah. ground. So they, they're going to make big moves because they have to. They're weak. Mm. Is that why you still encourage me to do pinball market trends every week? I don't really encourage it. <laughs> I don't really discourage it very much either. I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I mean, part of it is you, you, and you get this because of your psychological an- analysis background that mm-hmm. you, you come from before you just became a mere salesman. <laughs> yeah, the, sure. uh, the, you know, you, you kind of need market trends. Oh like, no. You're, you're so. To you, it's so critical that you have the most popular segment in wow. all of podcasting, and you've carried it for so long. I mean, it goes it dates all the way back to the Twip podcast. So you're just you're very needy and dependent oh. on it, and that's why you feel so threatened by more successful segments like Rumor Corner. Oh, I see. That's my analysis, and I took one whole psych class. So uh, you look, can trust you can trust me. Very good analysis. Maybe now I want to put you on Benzidone. May, no, no. Maybe skewed a bit. I thought it was just a byproduct, just a natural result of my abilities. It's something that 
almost, you know, like Superman was born and it's not like he chose mm. these powers. I mean, it's just, well, and I'm more of a concept, Superman than a like, Batman when it comes the, to content creation, I think is what I'm trying to say. The concept of market trends is a very strong concept. I give you full credit for it. One might argue I've poached a similar strategy for my wristwatch YouTube and have found I make a lot more ad money talking about the market <laughs> than I do anything else. Bye, bye, bye. The difference, the difference of course, is that I, I believe in putting real analysis behind it, not just antidotal kind of well, back with Pepperidge Farm remembers when this price oh. was this, but it's up $800 now because I saw one ad that said so. You know, that's like that. Falling asleep now. Who decides what games are made? What a cute question. Like, mm. who decides Stranger Things? Or who, Bob. Who decides Metallica? Bob's in one of those cubicles, and he, he, that's what he does. Bob's he just solid. He's fucking solid. Bob's he been pretty it. good. Once Bob understood that licensing is everything, <laughs> other companies may want to hire Bob. <laughs> Bob knows all about the Twitter trends. Yeah, so who decides what games are made? Basically everybody. It's product development, it's Jody Dankberg and licensing, it's co-owner Dave Peterson, it's marketing department, it's sales department, it's everybody. Man, oh, that's the one meeting that I would, that's like the, the make-a-wish thing for me. I would love to be able to sit in on those meetings. The one party that he didn't list is one that was utilized heavily in the past decades of the pinball industry, and that's the distributor. What? Mm. We're selling these games? The sales department. I guess they're... Yeah, the sales department talks to you guys, and you guys give the sales department feedback, right? You are sharing with the sales department, aren't you, Zach? Sure. No, No, you're not. That's what you've just indicated. We're sharing with the sales department, but it doesn't feel like it goes... I mean, they're not listening to the distributor... You're an outsider. They're you just got a distribution, distribution contract. But they used to in the past, though. That's my point. Well, but in the past, they'd also be like, well, we're going to build 4,500 of these and then move into the next game. Mm. Maybe distribution got too influential in the past. Yeah, maybe you all are in your proper place now. <sighs> maybe somebody, the trash. Maybe somebody, you know, quit being the largest stern dealer and made their own company and they're a little gun shy. I don't know. Yeah, back when they could get like champagne edition monopolies and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what a winner what that does was. Bruce Nightingale own like Vetnor Avenue or something? <laughs> 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 Bruce, right into all that work at gmail.com. Tell, tell us what you have. Poor Bruce hates like every Pat Lawler game, but boy, you bring up Monopoly. Oh, that's a good game. <laughs> That's a good game. I'm like, fuck, come on, That's because it's got Bruce. that 360 spinny flipper that, like, feeds waterworks. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Bruce is like, it's not fucking Betnor. I don't have the light blue ones. It's a good one, damn it. It's a Marvin Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yellow one. <laughs> oh, they also discussed. I love that this individual was bringing up all the things that I've been screaming for the last year. So he brought up things like Stranger Things IP because Gary mentioned a couple games they've worked on and they got lit up. Oh, Stranger Things. Yeah, that's fucking a hot <laughs> title commodity and IP right now. And Gary even did mention, yes, he agreed how hot that property is right that's now. Right. Hotter than Hansel. I- <laughs> So hot. (laughs) I also like that with that part of the interview because the guy was kind of like, now you had to involve other people with like deciding to do the super hot stranger things, right? Because you're so old. (laughs) (laughs) 
you're surely you remember because that's how oh, it came across to me it's like you're too now. old to know stranger things right it's just ironic that it is just <laughs> what a on fire property right now and they're not in production they're uh, man i'm sorry there's too much demand for toho's godzilla <sighs> is there what if you could wave a magic wand and put into production Star Wars? I mean, what a evergreen freaking license. Or Stranger Things. Would you still go Star Wars? Uh, I mean, that's hard for me to say because they've been still built. I mean, aren't they? They've been building Star Wars fairly consistently still, right? It's still uh, been coming out. So I would say sure. Stranger Things is what needs to be on the line right now. Well, you'd have but... to re-up the license, though. Would it be worth that or just roll with the Star oh, Wars? Oh, given, that... the, given the season four thing, yeah, I'd probably have gone ahead and re-upped it. Mm. I think I would have as well. I think it's more hindsight, though, because nobody knew. Yeah, if, obviously, yeah. Nobody knows if, you know, if Stranger Things 4 was going to be a flop or like, eh, it's a Walking Dead now. Like, people are done right. with but, it. I mean, like, right now, there's not there's not another major Star Wars movie. I know that the Disney Plus is turning they out the Star Wars TV shows, stuff, yeah. but that's not, I don't think that's really going to move original trilogy themed games. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I just, I think it's, yeah, I would have, I would prioritize Stranger Things. I just think it's, it's as was noted. It's so hot right now. It's probably going to start breakdance fighting. Well, and because it's hot right now, going back and trying to re-up that license may be a little bit more pricey too. Maybe, but I mean, yeah, like a whole bunch of other companies are beating down the door to do their own version of yeah, Stranger that's Things. True. What I do think, Dennis, and this is just a guess, I think prior to season five coming out, the final season of Stranger Things, the conclusion, I think you may see. A stern pinball re-up that license. Yeah, they may vault it. Hmm. Wait and see there. He talked about all kinds of things regarding licensing. Gary said, and he just admitted it. He's like, look, we entered, we have a great relationship with Marvel. We introduce a Marvel game every two years. We introduce a Lucas film Star Wars every two years. We introduce a music pin every year to two years, year and a half. So uh, and he said, sometimes I'll do product themes like Harley Davidson, but that was interesting to hear him boldly claim that because that's what it felt like the pattern has been. But now I'm thinking, okay, well, what Marvel game is next? And what's the last Marvel game that we got? Avengers Infinity Quest? Yes. So we're probably due for one next year. Yeah. Or this I mean, year. <gasps> Venom. Maybe. maybe. Mm. When was Avengers Infinity Quest? No, that was two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a couple, couple uh, back. That was a couple yeah, of 2020. Ago. 2020 because Godzilla's 2021. We haven't had an L win this year. Boom. So that leans into that. Uh, Lucas and Star Wars every two years. Mandalorian was early last year. So maybe we get something early next year from the Star Wars. Hopefully not Book of Bubba Fett because that was awful. Mm, Yeah. Obi Wan was great, but it was okay. I don't think it's strong enough for a pinball machine, though. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think what else. I There's don't know not what been else as many. Were, they're probably just hoping for something. Well, they've got they've got some other shows in the works. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because they they turned around Mandalorian really quick. Remember that? They they had to go from episode yeah, to yeah. episode to develop that. Like leave a space here on the back glass for this, or we're going to cancel this person. So that let's keep that her out of the game. Yeah, talked about sports as a theme for pinball. He said sports are difficult. They've tried them in the past. They're difficult. I can very much see. 
how that's the case. I could see another manufacturer if they were only focused on one particular market that was domestic to them doing sports. But Gary had a solid arguments yeah. for why it's just they have such a large export market that it's a mm-hmm. well, it's like it's part of the. Now, though this is not a sport, I'm going to bring it back because callbacks are so critical. That was part of the problem with Popeye. Oh, Europe didn't curling. care about Popeye. They didn't know him. Oh, but he was trying to save the world. They don't care. They don't know who he is. And Python Angelo wasn't from America, so that's, you know, somewhat foreign to that. I'm never going to say Popeye's bad, so I'm sorry. Okay. He said, I'm not trying to make you. Gary said everything is harder today in licensing. Everything. It's not as easy as it once was back in the CSI days. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gary, you have Star Wars now, and you're comparing it to some of the shit you had in the past? Like Monopoly? <laughs> it's like, the, the frustration was, now they all know that their their licenses are worth money, so they want a slice of it, whereas in the past they were like using, hey, this is a good way to market our thing is through pinball. Sure. So, uh, Independence Day will be like, people will come see it because they'll see the <laughs> pinball machine. You know what I wouldn't mind seeing? I wouldn't mind a revitalization of the the Tolkien into a into a I don't know you Craig know, Bobby I talked have, about the I have Amazon wondered stuff, if we would but, it will finally get our Lord of the Rings vault because of the TV show and they redo the art around the TV show if the TV show hits if it hits yeah or the I mean, the it, upcoming it question, but. I mean I'm a EGP fan the upcoming Gollum video game yeah that's been released he's, now he's, hasn't it no, it got delayed. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It needs polish. Gollum didn't look sneak season. Oh. And tricksy. To polish. Polygon. I mean, the Hamilton says my Schmeagol is awful. Five out of ten. <laughs> Precious. Five out of ten. She, she messaged me. She's like, your Schmeagol's a five out of ten. Oh, I love it. I think it. that's what she said. Uh, she said it was bad. Uh, almost. I, I'm giving myself five out of ten. It's. I told her I'm doing the book version. Yeah, but <laughs> so, I don't know if that's a good enough the, cover. The, the entertainment. The <laughs> entertainment value off of, based is a off ten the book. out of ten. Ten out of ten. But the individual's <laughs> asking Gary Stern about. Well, are there other competitors? Do other people make pinball machines? <laughs> I love his response. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he said there's some. He said, quote, few people in Europe trying to make them. End quote. Um, even talked, he was describing Mike at home pin as kind of a quote, non-starter <laughs> in his opinion. Mm. So yeah. But did you notice one glaring exception? N- what's that? We didn't bring up Jersey Jack oh, or really yeah. any, well, anyone no. in America. Yeah. It was all like, yeah. Oh yeah. There are a few Europeans. Like he's thinking like Pedretti contract builds yeah. for pinball yeah. brothers. And he's, he's thinking of he's like, there's of a haggis pin. thing in Australia. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. You know, vague, vague semblance of haggis is in oh, his you mind, mean but across the street. No, I don't. Oh, is no. there? Yeah. Oh. Chicago, and not just GJ, not just JJP, but Chicago gaming. That's right. Or, He's like, oh, I thought our senior designer, uh, Steve Ritchie, I just thought he retired. He just didn't show up one day. <laughs> I didn't know he was making. Oh, about dropped what he was making there. Oh. Mm. <laughs> oh, I liked looking around in Gary's office. I think that was Gary's office. Do you know that? I It looked like he was moving in or moving <laughs> out of wherever they were. Yeah, I think it was his office. He had, it, there were boxes and it was cluttered. Yeah, he had behind him. I was like, what pinball machine is that? It was a Beatles Diamond Edition in the background. Uh, oh. Also in the background, behind the interviewer, was something 
near and dear to me. It was a signed by Bob Gale to Gary Stern movie poster of Back to the Future 3. <laughs> the cowboy one, yes. Right, the cowboy one. But what does that mean, Dennis? What does that mean? He's got a good relationship with Bob Gale. Bob Gale's got a great relationship with Joe Cam and Cal. Maybe they're going to, maybe. Why would he have it in his office if he wasn't going to reproduce it? Because it's signed. Yeah, but why? It's why? memorabilia. You only have so much real estate on your walls. It's just a wall thing. It doesn't have to all be about upcoming. Like, I don't think he puts all, does he have a little poster of Baby Yoda in there too? I, <laughs> I mean, well, come on. Maybe he did. No. I don't know. And besides, maybe they're not going to do Back to the Future 3. That's a JJP move. Oh, Man, that's just so easy for you at this point. It's gonna be easy it's forever. So easy, especially for after Jack went on Saps and was oh. like, "No, nah, we chose to do oh. this. It's all part of the plan." Oh no! <laughs> oh yes. So hey, but the interviewer did flat out ask about Back to the Future. Yeah, and he, which you appreciated. Gary Stern said it's a pretty dated title right now, and he's absolutely right, what? and they shouldn't do it. It is. It's so old. He was so wrong. You were so wrong that the interviewer, the interviewer was like, was like kind of scared of Gary Stern the whole time. He was intimidated by him. But even the interviewer at that point was like, what the fuck are you talking about, Gary? He said, quote, still back to the future holds some weight. I think like even he retorted back. I know. Wait a minute, Gary. Please don't think that. That's basically what he was saying. I'm not even in pinball, but I know how great this license is. So I'm going to potentially mess up this interview just to look up for this IP. Uh, yeah, you're reading a little bit much into that, but I don't know, he maybe. did push back on the notion and, and kind of express that he thought that there would be a sales demand for it. Mm, I messaged Dwight Sullivan right away. Mm. I said, Dwight, look. I just watched that Gary Stern interview and he called it dated Dwight. My heart is broken. You know what Dwight's response was? Uh, nothing. I think he has you on ignore. <clears throat> no, he doesn't. He's a buddy. He said, yeah, man, no. I'm sorry. He said, I think it would be great. It's okay. What did I say? Listener, if nobody makes back to the future, I will. Mm, I'm waiting for your version of Sonic. <laughs> someone has that license and it ain't stern that's what i've heard he was asking about how much does it cost for some of these licenses, like sonic the hedgehog i was cracking up gary said there's one intellectual property that they made an agreement that the licensing fee would just be 10 games and i thought damn that's cheap who was that that was back in the day though yeah, he uh, he acted as if, and that was part of his argument of you know back in the day we could just throw pins at people and they gave but us. But what license would only cost the the total of ten games? That doesn't seem like much because back in the day, what are they probably five grand a piece, so fifty thousand dollar license? Huh. Well, I, no, I thought we were talking way back, like the Daddy East days. Oh, so that may be the you case, know, like then. ten RoboCops. Oh, I see. Just different production notes. You guys will have to go watch this interview. He's talking about making Rush and. They had a plan to make 800 to 1,000 pros, then move on to the 1,000 LEs, followed by hundreds of the premiums. But within two days, they changed the plan because of supply chain issues that he talked about continuing, like the chip shortage. He said they use that same chip as the Ford F-150s do. So they're not gonna, they aren't going to get that uh, priority there. But what I did take away from that is 
again, quantitatively, listeners, there's another little note, nugget that Gary's giving us it, for those of us who are interested. We know the the number of LEs that they make, and we know they build them all at once. But to know also that prior to they make about 800 to 1,000 pros, that's, that's interesting information. Because I would assume that that's probably typical for all their releases because they all do roll out pretty similarly. All, overall, Dennis, the, the dude's 77 years old. He's still sharp. Uh, Gary still gets it. Yeah, no, it was he was solid in the interview. Mm-hmm. I was still thinking back on the games. There was a part where they talked about Mike Myers getting a bunch of games for Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. Buying, buying a lot for his But he, but co- he bought co-stars. those. Yeah, that, bought that didn't those. sound like that's part of the licensing. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting interview. You bought a Godzilla Premium, I did, mm-hmm. but not because of this interview. Have you got a a billion yet? No, I still I haven't even. Travis was like, "You need to stream." So I streamed on Friday for two <gasps> hours and forty five minutes. Travis did never you? came. Yeah, I didn't know that. Why are no, my well, notifications no on? Well, maybe you don't subscribe. <sighs> maybe you didn't click that bell. Are you part of the Pinball Network? Maybe you didn't smash <laughs> that like button. I didn't see the TPN notification. I'm not on TP. I know. That's the problem. We need to get you over there. What's it going to take to get you into it. this network? No, no. I'm just here for podcasting. Yeah. Streaming's too hard. Yeah, streaming is too hard. A lot of people have been buying Godzilla premiums. A lot because, of people have been waiting for Godzilla. I know. They're online right now. We just uh, received our allotment. The premium. But it, the pros are too. There were some pros that squirted out of the factory a week or so ago. Another, there's some more pros coming. I think they just have them on on both lines right now. I just think okay. they're just running uh, concurrently. They're just running premiums and pros now online at Stern Pinball. So that's I've been hearing talk about more Jurassic Park toppers. So much so that I can now report to you guys the production update accessory for Jurassic Park topper and the armor. Armor's been out for a long time, that Jurassic Park armor, the die cut stuff. Mm, juicy. They've shipped, or at least ours have shipped. We now have them in stock on our website, ready to go. Jurassic Park topper. They did see a little price bump, just like an Iron Maiden did. $749.99 and $249.99, respectively, for the topper and armor for Jurassic Park. Goat Mania, baby. That's not special now because everybody gets Goat Mania with Insider Connected, but whatever. That's Stern Pinball. Oh, newcomer here. Oh. Mm, de- puzzle. Yeah, the puzzles. master of puzzles. Cryptics. Deep Root morphs into Turner Pinball. They had a video, if you guys are interested, you can go watch Turner Guy, who I believe bought all of the insurance policies, pennies to the dollar, and he gave away a translite and talked about his goals going forward with Turner Pinball. Um, I I have no need to discuss this. Dennis, we good? Yeah. Okay. Jersey Jack Pinball. Hey. Note here says... Zach played his ass off on Thursday night you with Joel. You did. I saw this. Reached the wizard mode on Toy Story 4. Huh. Yeah. You brought a Toy Story 4 for Joel to, because you flipping out pinball supplies Joel Engelberth with pinball machines that he plays on yeah, stream. Yep. Every other Thursday. Mm-hmm. That was a good time. So, Thank you for hanging out. Yeah. Well, a lot of people were there. It was like, I think at one point I saw on Twitch like 130. Uh, yeah. And you had high numbers up. You know, 90 plus for most of it. Yeah, I think so. our analytics showed 156 was the highest peak. So not bad but, for pinball. But I, I you know, you know, what? You, I, I missed ball one. Okay. It wasn't much. Yeah. I got the volume. So then I come in and, and you're playing and you're playing 
and you're playing. Tennis. And I'd already seen the photos, Zach, of you and Joel setting up the game. So this is like a freshly set up game, Ooh. unbox, set up. And then you're sweating everywhere. I was complaining like about a- it. It was so hot. And Joel is like putting on a parka. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking he's like, about. It's 69 and, degrees in here. I don't know. And, and then you're at the wizard mode. That I said wasn't easy to get to. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I was in the moment. I was in the zone. You ever get in the zone? Auto zone. Yeah. <laughs> get in the zone. Auto zone. Is that how it goes? And you're reaching? I didn't think so. Yeah. Okay. I was in the zone and didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell for me to get to the wizard mode. I didn't think Joel was going to get to it either, but we played one game that night <laughs> because I blew it up. And mm-hmm. it made did the game look easy because everybody's like, well, this dumbass sure doesn't know how to play pinball. So, of course, it's too easy. Well, you're not, you know, you don't go play competitive. Uh, you don't talk a lot is. about scores yeah. and completion and all that. And then here you are. And you had a very good performance. I mean, now, in defense of, you know, settings and features, afterwards, I went downstairs to my Godzilla Premium and mm-hmm. s- tried to see if I could turn on Infinite Mothra. <laughs> but apparently uh, Godzilla lacks that option. Did you hit the captain ball? Maybe you need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, it was we, very, it was very impressive. Um, and now I, just like everyone else who was in the stream, don't need to buy it. Cause I've seen it. So thanks for that. I it's so unusual that. for a distributor to be like, here, look at this game. It's $12,000. Let me show you how hard it is by going to the wizard mode on game one. Well, I mean, Look, I could have been like some of those stern reveals and just yes. sandbagged. Maybe you should have. Maybe you should have uh, carried some sand. I'm a better enthusiast than I am a businessman, I think. Maybe you are. Maybe it's all about integrity and honesty for me, and I only report the facts. I only perform the facts, you know? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that's the thing. Yeah. Maybe left outlanes don't lie. Maybe, Dennis. Maybe left out lanes don't lie. <laughs> and they do if you have that infinite. That that thing needs to be nerfed a bit. That would be my one you think? thing. That needs <laughs> oh to be nerfed. God. But, dude, those out lanes are brutal. You saw, first, you saw Joel play outlane. it. You saw <laughs> Joel play it. Stretch. It's cheaper. Why they program that? It's cheaper just to close the outlane off with rubber. I oh, don't understand. Man. It played so phenomenal, though. Played It played well all night. Nobody really that was making any complaints about what they were seeing or what they were hearing. I, I don't know. I, I had a blast with it. I didn't get through. I, now I'm itching. I want to get through that second one. And then once I it's get. It's just the same stuff. No, it's a, you take the different path, but it's the same kind of stage process. It's a little bit more difficult. I noticed that going through it like the second time, the modes were harder. They were significantly harder. Uh, so, no, I'm going to have a lot of fun with that thing. And then trying to complete all of them. I don't think I'll ever do that. But Travis said he did. He was able to complete their seven tasks. Complete, not just start, all 14 tasks. He claimed that nothing happened. But I will say I talked to Joe Katz. And there is there is stuff that does happen. If you complete tasks, your multipliers go up in, uh, in the wizard mode. As well as uh, you get additional attempts in the wizard mode as well. So it's more of a points-based thing based on the performance you have during the mode. So mm. it is true that things do happen. I I'm I'm still digging that game, man. Still digging it. It's getting it's getting hated on. I can't wait till you get your hands on one. Um, Because I I truly I truly think you're going to like it a lot. I do. 
Well, the layout looks good. Uh, I do think one of our operators did end up getting one. So I haven't heard yet if it's on location, though. Yeah. So maybe me, eventually. To me, I was thinking about it more. And it feels like if people like Willy Wonka, they'll like this. But it feels like the wizard mode is basically the, I would say, the second golden ticket. That's what it feels like to me, obtaining that second golden ticket on Wonka. And then I would imagine the subsequent second half of that wizard mode would probably be like getting that fourth golden ticket. So whatever the, you know, whatever that's worth for people, but we gave away a lot of stuff. So I was happy yeah, to see stickers. That. Well, more than still, we gave away a lot of stuff, hundreds upon hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. Nicole was thrilled. And Craig Bobby's shirts. And poor Craig. <laughs> And then we had at the very end, we were giving them away. You guys have to go back and watch this VOD. We were doing a sing-along. I call it a stream-along because I'm clever. They had to sing Randy Newman's You've Got a Friend in Me. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. This is uh, this is Flippin' Out Pinball. Who am I speaking with? It's Moppy. What? No. It's Moppy. It's Moppy. No. Ladies and gentlemen from Puppet Pals, it's Moppy. It's me. Oh my gosh, she's gonna melt my heart. I love. Okay. Where have you been? Are you safe, Moppy? Are you safe? No. no. I'm not safe. And oh. I'm not safe. And maybe if I see them, let me go. Oh my gosh. Maybe if I see myself. Moppy, I will come save you. Thank you so much for calling in. Can okay. I? I, I want to hear your rendition of Randy okay. Newman's "You've Got a Friend in Me" featured on okay. Toy Story. Can I my cat stop? My cat cat's First the wizard mode and now this. That's incredible. Wow, Moppy, I love you. I miss you. And uh and I hope you win this, buddy. I really hope you win this. Thank you so much and come back to us. Moppy, come back. Chat. You guys want puppet pals back. Pinball Brothers, I don't know if they were giving away anything though. PB, reach out if you want to do a giveaway. Pinball Brothers had an update. I was looking oh, did they? Yeah, looking on their social media. Um, producers of the hit queen i've been trying to figure out like are we going to see a gameplay video what's the deal there um you don't need to i've heard they've already been selling better than legends of all hollow they have not been selling bad but i still would like to see gameplay just for my own you know i, I don't know i don't know when we're going to see them they they initially said september yeah, that's just right around the corner. The Rhapsody editions, they were taking full payment. They still are for September, but then pump the brakes because, <laughs> yeah, I did see on one of their comments on their social media, somebody was asking about, well, they're coming out in September, so we'll be able to play. And they said, quote, yes, and we've repeatedly advised to hold your horses as manufacturing only begins in September. A lot of things can still go wrong. Think of international supply chains to China, for example. We wouldn't put any money on September. Pinball Expo is a better bet, but be sure that we'll announce it when the first machines are shipped. So that was a quote from them? That was a direct quote from their comment. I love, I love. Let me tell you about love. 
Zach, because oh. I am an expert. Uh, please tell I me. I love where they said, we wouldn't put any money on September, but you made everyone else That's do right. it. right. Wait a minute. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, Hadaway would have a lot to say about what is love with this. What a use of words here. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't put any money on well, <laughs> but, oh, but but you but are your customers and dealers are hobbyists. Oh yeah. Oh man. So it sounds like they're aiming for end of October. Uh, well, that it, it sounds like they're not committing to aiming for anything. Like I can't tell what direction they're. It's like a shotgun, and there's like a, <laughs> a side of a barn splatter. Will the shotgun be able to hit the broad side of the barn? I don't know. We don't know. How accurate are they? It has been advertised that the September tailgate party at Cointaker will have one. I guess it may be a prototype, or maybe it's the first production model. I don't know. So People were asking, like, where's the video at? We want to see some gameplay video. They also commented on their social media saying the following, quote, we would like to see gameplay too, but the video is just not yet ready to show. The editing takes quite some time. It will be there shortly. Keep in mind that the time of this announcement relied a lot on a major band with their much busier schedule than ours. So we hope you can be patient a few more days. Mm. I like this quote as well, Mm. Zach, because this part also says that they just aren't very busy. (laughs) They being the not band. I guess aliens are just flying out because clearly (laughs) Pinball Brothers is just not a busy company. Aliens are still shipping, still going. Well, it's Pedretti, really, isn't it? Well, they are the contract manufacturer, yes. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's why. I guess if you contract everything out, you too can also run a not busy company. Yeah, I, it's um, it's interesting to me that they uh, the editing takes quite some time. What what kind of video do you think we're going to get? <laughs> I'm assuming a highly polished one. I'm if they're hoping. spending that much time editing the gameplay, I'm hoping so. It'll be there shortly, and then be patient a few more days. So uh, in your in your translation speak, the video they're aiming to get out in October. A few more days doesn't feel like October to me. What? Where did it say a few more days? So it we hope says, you can be patient a few more days. It will days. be there shortly. So we hope you can be patient a few more days. It's just a few more days till October. Well, it's all relative, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to see that. I, I'd like to see it. I, I did find interesting. They noted the credits to this game, who designed it, coded it, etc., and there are some positive points here. Uh, mm. They're attributing the game design to an Alexander Spore, but also the initial game design to a Barry Ausler and Dave Sanders. Right. Okay. Uh, art was done by Stefan Akin. Graphics and animation, Kelly Mazurowski. Uh, screen design, Auric doing screen design. We, we know that name from his artwork for Alien. What does screen design mean, though? Is that the animations on the screen well, or what? graphics and animations, Kelly. That's why I'm confused. Screen design, so maybe he is kind of like Keith Elwin does with, he doesn't code the game, but he gives the rules. He, he tells the coder kind of what it should look like. Maybe that's what screen design is. Like this Kelly Mazarowski may not be an expert on what pinball interfaces need to look like. So he's helping design that. Like you need to animate something here or you need to, do a transition from here to here. I don't. But the one that interested me the most was rules programming. Joe Schober. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe Schober, we know, did Alien Pinball, the rules. Right. And that has been heralded as a great code set. Mm-hmm. We also know Joe Schober is working with American Pinball, question mark. <laughs> I think he's contracted over there. 
Last I heard, yes. So that gives me a little bit of hope there. Because I think that what I said when I was doing an analysis last week, listener, if you remember, I said, I think the rules are going to kind of, it's going to come down to the rules on this. Because the theme itself is, is dynamite. The art mixed, the layout mixed. You're going to need another big old platinum push for this game to be a declared winner, a hit. Now, is Alexander the designer, is he one of the pinball bros? I do not know. Because he's listed down as executive producer as well. With Daniel Jansen. Maybe that's yes. maybe those are the brothers, Dan and Alex. I don't know. There's a big question mark still in this game. What was your analysis of the game itself? I heard a little bit on EGP. Overall, your one-sentence synopsis of what Queen looks like? I think I described it on the show layout-wise was meh. Okay. That's kind of how Joe... It looked... I, I think it looked uninspired. So, basic. My rebuttal would be, I agree... But it is hard to see ball paths in a lot of sure. ways. So until we get I a mean, video, it, it's it gonna looked be tough. like it didn't look like it was a bad shooter. It just it it had some elements that were pretty you know standardized. Mm-hmm. I would say the yeah. upper playfield though is is a big question mark. And of course, how the rules have you engage with a playfield will mean a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my only real area of concern were the three shots that are blocked by drops. Mm-hmm. I I'm one I'm. I, I always find that a little suspicious that I won't like it, but that was the only real red flag I had. And I did learn that one of those paths that I was ignorant to last week, the one with the lion insert on it, that's actually a ramp. So that's uh, it's just hidden by the upper play field, but it's the ramp that leads up to Wembley for locking balls. Hmm. So there's that. Do you think Pinball Brothers is uh, stopping after Queen? I heard your I heard your argument on that. Um and it, oh, it was yeah, during our the during the pinball network live stream on yes. Wednesday. Yes. yes. And the reason I bring it up is not that I have some sort of hidden knowledge or anything, but I actually had someone else reach out to me. Actually, it was Jason Knapp because I know he has an article on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seemed to kind of be arriving at that question independent. I don't think he saw the Wednesday thing. And because he arrived at it independently, it makes me wonder, we must not be the only ones thinking this. Yeah. Then. Yeah. wondering about i mean they've been doing they're doing it seems like they're doing highways greatest hits mm-hmm. and and that makes sense because they you know made sure that they kept those assets when highway went away but outside of a very 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 barely worked on playboy there ain't anything left out of highway after queen so because mm-hmm. alien was done and queen was mostly done so that's where I think you could have Alexander come in and tweak the game design. Maybe the rules were already primarily done by Joe mm-hmm. or Joe might be contracted to help finish it. I don't know. But yeah, I think the answer to this is pretty simple. If they're making a good return on Queen, they can find a I hate to minimize it, they can find a designer and they I mean they got a team right here that Yeah. They, I mean know. they could, but if they've made enough, I mean I just I don't know. I they But it's a good they, point that they made it doesn't maybe, look like they've made any attempts to bring the manufacturing in house, so they've contracted that out and it looks like all of their design stuff is hired gun contractors too. Mm-hmm. So what think, is the company other than two owners? I would think that it's that this will be a make or break and the big question mark for me would then be licensing because you know if you're trying to break even on the assets and, and some of the materials you already had, I can see them calling it quits after this. But uh, if this, this does seem to be profitable, 
Then I think you may see a big delay in trying to secure another license if they haven't already done so. Because if they are questioning this, then they probably haven't jumped into bed with a licensor yet, I wouldn't think. Because Mm -hmm. they know that they've got a lot of aliens to make, a lot of queens to make. So they have a little bit of time here. But they're going to have to make that, that educated guess here probably pretty soon if they haven't already come to terms with having to figure this one out pretty quick. And as we heard with Gary Stern over on the, whatever that show was, the dog walkers podcast or whatnot, <laughs> the, uh, it's tough. These European companies, it's tough. It's tough for them. Shipping is expensive. Yes. And there's, it's not like there's a big robust pinball manufacturing no. industry over there. No, you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, hell it was hard enough for people in Texas to build pinball, right? <laughs> Chicago is kind of where it's at. It's almost like a, I think, I think even with, <laughs> spooky and they're not all that far away no they're not the easiest drive yeah not the easiest place to find workers chicago gaming's got it figured out they're not new jersey gaming company (laughs) yeah yeah craig bobby reporting some whispers of continued delays over at chicago gaming company on cactus canyon remake saying that uh they're still having trouble securing the parts for the se plus and the le toppers for ccr and what Zach, what is it about the topper that's so hard? I don't know. Like, are they, is it using the chip from the F-250 or what? (laughs) Like, what's going on? I don't get it. Damn topper. You're a distributor for them. Tell me what is going, what's in it that's making it so hard? Is it? It's gameception, man. It's a game within a game. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Oh shit. (laughs) Craig Bobby. Look, Craig Bobby is talking about the possibility of CGC actually shipping SE pluses, jumping the line and and making SE pluses go out before the LE models. And that would be because they would ship the SE pluses without the topper. And then later on, once the parts have been secured, then shipping out that topper. I don't know how in the hell that's going to work from a sales distribution standpoint. I don't even want to think about it, but what is your take on this rumor? Okay. I have a couple takes. We'll roll it all into one take. Now. Okay. All right. I do think it makes sense that if the holdup is toppers, and let's assume that they're basically done with question mark sending out the SEs, mm-hmm. that rather than stopping shipping, they should continue to send products out. Mm. And the notion of a standalone topper being sent separate. That's not, that's hardly an insurmountable thing. People are going to have to attach it separately anyway. True, so, true. Yeah. so that I think is okay. I don't understand that you doing the last model you announced for sale, the SE plus over doing the LEs. If it really is just the topper, that's the problem. So why not send the LEs out Zach and then send the toppers for them alongside or before the SE pluses. Cause I, I get it that the SE plus is just the SE when you don't have the topper, but yeah. if there's no other problem building the LE, people ordered the LEs a long time ago. Why not get the LEs built and send them and then send them the topper separate? Like what's the law? I don't get it. Like what's the logic? I don't know what the logic is. I mean, it, it feels like they're probably thinking, well, when we initially announced two models, SE and an LE, the LE came with everything, all the bells and whistles. They're the special. Collectors are really going to care. That's why they went in for an LE, because they really right. care about the details. Right. I agree. We don't want to ship a game, with, and this is all, again, speculation if it's even true, sure. but we do not want to ship an LE game 
without the topper because that is a big piece of the pie as to why those LA buyers even went in in the first place. I can see but the it's argument. it's the only reason that they bought the SE Plus. The only thing different is that the SE and the SE right. Plus is the topper. You're 100% it's the, right. Literally, it's the only reason to get an SE Plus was the topper. Do you think that the LA buyers are going to be upset by this if if it becomes true? Or do you think that they're like, you know what, hmm. with some of the leg issues, going, I think I'm going to, I'll be all right. I think they will be upset. Would you want to say, I don't know. I'm, I'm like that. I don't know if I would want my LE if the topper wasn't ready. I do not. <sighs> I mean, sure. There are going to be some people like you that care more about the topper than the game, but it's a big selling for point the rest for of for us, title. human beings, normal people who ordered a game almost a year ago, I'd be like, where's my effing game? Mm-hmm. Get me my game. I don't, I play the game, not the topper. I can add the topper later. Get me my game. Why am I waiting so long over? Why is the topper stopping me from enjoying the game? What I have worried about, and I have voiced this to CGC, was I'm worried about this constant influx of SEs because they are building. They are building pretty regularly. I mean, I would say that most every distributor in the world and the country has fulfilled their SEs plentiful. I'm worried that you have some of these SE Plus buyers that are like, look, I've got new shiny things in the corner in my peripheral here. I'm just going to go with an SE and you're going to see less SE pluses purchased uh, in the future. Cause people are like, man, eh, I wanted the topper, but I really don't want to wait any longer. I, I mean, and, 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 I- and to go to the, to, to compound off that idea, maybe that's why they are thinking because the LE buyers aren't going to back out. They want their big all in one. The SE plus buyers may. So I, maybe I'm just now thinking of it. That actually does kind of make sense. Your LE buyers I, are not going to back out. Those damn games hold value better than most anything in the industry. SE Plus? Eh. Look, I, Lock I them never in. understood. And there, I'm sure there are listeners who are in on an SE Plus. I've never understood buying the SE Plus model. If I remember right, it was priced exactly the same, same. as the LE. Yep, the so to me, it was a ridiculous skew to create where... All you did was, it's like, oh, I didn't get in on the LE. Well, I'm going to pay the exact same price as a super scarce one. Mm-hmm. And all I'm going to get is uh, is a topper. And otherwise, it's the standard. Mm. It just, it was a, I I am shocked they sold any. And I'm not really because this is pinball and yeah. people and don't behave as I think phenomenal. they would. But, but I I don't care. You you say a lot when you're like, I'm going to buy at the same exact price as the LE and give up everything else. And it, was, it wasn't like it was months later yeah. either. Mm-hmm. It was, just, so anyway, yeah, maybe. It's, I, it's wild it, to me that if, as if, I was, if people are willing to go in on the SE plus and pay that LE price for just the topper, then sure. They'll probably, they'd probably be willing to walk away the mo- be the, the mm-hmm. moment that, but maybe they're the ones that, are, I mean, they're the ones that clearly are all in just for the topper. So maybe yeah, you, true. maybe you want to hold out and let them get the game with the topper by the same logic, because they, we know the only reason they got the plus was the topper. That's like, it's not armor or anything else. Yeah. There's only one difference. So the LE people will take what you give them. Typically when we're reviewing the news like this, I always kind of have my thoughts beforehand. This is like one of the first times I'm like, well, wait a minute. I actually think that uh, I'm, uh, I'm making more sense to myself as I'm talking through it. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it isn't such a bad idea. The more I think about it, I might make that same decision if I'm going. Honestly, I would probably just try holding off. I would find a way to get those parts, even if I had to pay double and and make less money, just so that I could start getting them rolling out, <laughs> just to do that. I don't even know if I would ever ship anything 
that should come with the topper because I don't know how they're going to do it from a sales perspective. Uh, am I supposed to take full amount for somebody that's not going to get the what they paid for? And if so, am I going to charge them for an SE now, but then require them to buy a topper? I don't know how that's going to work. What a mess. I don't know a lot of things in life. But there is one thing that I know for sure, Dennis. Dennis, we talked about forefathers and founders of pinball in the late Wayne Nines. Someone else very important in our country's history, Benjamin Franklin, very wise man. He once said, nothing is certain except death and taxes and pinball market trends. <laughs> Didn't he say that? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think he did. You want to fact check that? I'll get right on that. Pretty sure he did. Oh, BG, I love you over there. Should have been a president. That's well. He's too no, smart. I don't think he wanted. I think he wanted to go over and seduce French women instead. So. Damn, why you always got to bring it? Different priorities. You had different priorities. Bring it down. Bring it. You're the problem. Hey. You're the hey, why don't you, speaking of bringing it down, what's all trending down? Because there ain't nothing trending up unless you're making something up. No, I'm not making things up. Numbers don't lie. I only report the facts here. Trending up this week is an oldie but goodie. It's theater magic. I was waiting for her. <laughs> you have the magic. <laughs> why would you think I would ever say that? <laughs> <laughs> what's the guy say? Uh, the guy is the one that bothers me in that game. The theater awaits. The theater awaits. Oh, who is Shoot that guy? the left orbit. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> oh. he doesn't say that, but that's what who, you do. Who is that guy? I think he's on other games as well. Well, probably, but... And Circus Voltaire, I can juggle two balls all day. <laughs> and then he gets the third ball. <laughs> Theater magic is trending up. This sneaky little son of a bitch, I was looking, uh, doing the extensive research that I do each and every week for this segment, and... I ran across Theater Magic. Somebody was asking, I was like, wait a minute. Since when did that become a $10,000 game? And I went, and eh, this guy's just smoking crack. Went, looked at the comps, and I was like, okay, a couple for sale. All like $9,800? What? They're, these guys are behind on the times here. Let's look at the comps, ones that have sold before, extensive research. Wow. Oh, this game has consistently been selling in the 9,000s for quite some time. It has not seen a fall in the recent softening of the marketplace. Theater magic coming out of nowhere. How about that? It used to be like the stepchild to the Papa Duke greats, Circus Voltaire and Tales of the Arabian Nights. Theater magic was like that one beat, right? And then you had well, World Cup soccer that was like it's the third well, level down. It just depends. It's like, well, World Cup soccer doesn't have the quote unquote Papa Duke art package. So that's what always hurts him mm. with collectors, even though it's by many people feel it's his best playing game, probably because so many people came in and saved him on it. Mm. Uh, and, but Circus of Voltaire is usually up there too with gameplay. Why don't, um, why don't I have a theater but, of magic? I like Papa Duke games, but theater magic never. Theater <sighs> of, of magic's probably his most straightforward shooter. So yeah. in some ways, it like layout wise, it probably feels like a lot of other games. It shoots so good. I love well, the yes, toys. Well, yes, it, it it does. I but... hate the translate and the the code. Like the wizard mode sucks. Uh, well, uh, yeah, most games of that era have pretty like poor exploitable rules. Yeah. You know, you time out all the modes and all that. So. Well, that's people who don't like having fun playing pinball. Ooh, sorry. A little harsh here for all the competitive so players. The theater magic's trending up. I, 
Look, I would like to say something more contemporary, but I can't. I can't. All's trending up this week is the Wayne Nines Classics. All of those that we were mentioning. As a tribute, I'd like to trend up the man who changed this industry and will always be remembered formally trending up Wayne Nines. Unfortunately, trending down this week. Look, I report the facts. I don't like to report this, but Toy Story 4. <laughs> Jump the gun. All because of you. No, I not learned it from watching me. you, Dad. I learned it from watching you. From you. Toy Story 4 is going to take that same, same, uh... The Jersey Jack bath. I was thinking of path. I no. don't like baths. You say bath, I say don't like path. baths. Same path as a Wonka. Same path as a, as a hobbit. For some reason, you hobbyists out there, I don't know if it's just Stern family, it's something that just doesn't want JJP to succeed at times. I don't know what it is. I mean, there may be some people that are motivated purely out of some sort of it like seems, spiteful. Yeah, it seems thing, so motivated. I don't know. I mean, with with Jersey Jack, even though, and I don't, I don't align with this because I, you know, I think dialed. In, I, granted, I haven't played Toy Story, so di, you know, dialed in and Wonka are my two favorite players of theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting that one Toy Story aside, but you know, for a lot of people. They compare everything to Wizard of Oz and what all was in that game. Oh, that's a and tough one. I think yeah. that's where a lot of it comes from, from people that would otherwise be very, very supportive of the company. And they don't like the direction that the company has gone since Wizard of Oz. Yeah, we've heard Jack Ranieri say himself, their goal is to make every game that much better, every release that much better than Wizard of Oz. And I think they have succeeded in layouts on that every, yeah, every time. Wizard of Oz is not, it's not a smooth playing game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Toy Story Four, I am seeing on the secondary market people now trying to sell their CE spots or the LE spots. Um, seeing them, the LEs on the secondary market sell for a little bit less than that of a brand new in box one. We haven't seen that since its release, uh, the first three weeks of its release. Um, and we usually see, as people are still waiting for games, we see that hold pretty good. We think of things like Godzilla. Um, Rush kind of dropped too. It's just a sign of the times, I suppose. But uh, I'd be lying if I told you that Toy Story 4 was still trending up as it was a couple of weeks ago because I think it will get back up there. But with the price tag that came out of the gate with, um, I I expected to see this at some point. Maybe not this soon. But uh, nonetheless, it's it's the cool thing to kick around right now. And there are a lot of people who will just jump on the bandwagon and start kicking the horse that's already already taken the heat from a lot of people but they just think that's cool to do and toy story 4 is the casualty of that so it's really the fault of the people no because i said the prices yeah it's hard to price something at the top of the industry and expect it not to fall quicker it's kind of like the whole you get the prices house in the subdivision meh you don't want the most expensive house you don't want the cheapest house either you want to be right in between like a stern premium (laughs) that's my point the only thing that's funny is the people that do argue about whatever they argue about Toy Story and why they don't like it. They'll refuse to say they dislike anything that is similar in respect to like code or rules or anything. Cracks me up. Oh, coincidentally, also trending down this week, irony. Deafening, deafening irony. Such as someone using their place of employment, a marketing firm to tear down the marketing of other companies such as Disney or Pixar or other manufacturers while also at the same time crying about IP infringement of others while launching a lazy merchandise line to make money off of, wait for it, ripped off intellectual property. 
all while sitting in the boardroom learning PowerPoint of your own employer who represents many of these large companies. <laughs> deafening, deafening fucking irony. Oh, you people make me laugh. Pinball Bounty's still healthy. Dolly Parton. I needs her. I thought someone I found her. one. Yeah, but it wasn't quite nice enough for the price. Oh, okay. That's all. Somebody okay. found me a beater, too, but I'm like, it's still, eh, if I'm getting a beater, I want a beater. If I'm getting a nice one, I want a nice one. I'm, I'm just here to report the facts because numbers don't lie, and neither do I. On Pinball Market Trends. All right, Dennis, let's wrap it up. What uh, what, what do you got going on today? Riding your bicycle? Yeah, bicycle. I think if it doesn't rain here, I'll get out there, got to get on the road. What's your beef with riding in the rain? Uh, I fall. Really? On the trails? Yeah, the trails, because they get mud on them. Oh. And it's just, I've, I've, I've done it before, and I slip and slide. Whoop, 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 slip whoop, and slide, slipping and a sliding. Slipping and a sliding, even and a hiding. Been told a long time ago. Like a freshly like a freshly waxed Godzilla, I'm just like, whoa! Missed the building. <laughs> I I hit that wallop shot. What am no, I? No, I'm having an issue with my Godzilla. Maybe you can help me with it. Okay. So sometimes when I lock the ball in the building, mm-hmm. the building doesn't seem to know that the ball is in the ball lock. Hmm. But the opto's reading fine. Is it trying to know. kick it up? No. I have to wait for ball search. It like doesn't know that the ball's there. Oh, it doesn't know that the ball is in and the box. And it seems to happen mostly on ball two lock. So I wondered if it was a software thing. But uh, Ball two lock would suggest that the building has lowered. and Yes, the building is lowered. I've already locked a ball. Maybe impeding on the opto at that point for hmm. an entrance. I mean, maybe need to... Uh, I, I took my little microfiber cloth and made sure I didn't have... And there was something that I think had fallen, maybe some wax or something had gotten something mm-hmm. in front of the opto. So I kind of cleaned that out. It's doing better, but it wasn't 100%. I would, yeah, I would say the one thing you can do, and this is in general for all the listeners for newer Stern games, make sure the optos are aligned. Make sure the wires on those little opto boards are secured well and then trace those optos back there should be a midpoint where there's a molex connector with the game off uh pull that out reseat that also when you're reseating it look at those terminals male uh, and female ends make sure that they look like they're secure reseat that and then keep following back to the node board that was probably be node board nine mid to bottom play field universal node board and reseat the connection of that opto on that node board you could and if that doesn't work then you could just have a flaky opto. We have been seeing those recently here and there. Flaky opto. We can uh, get you out another opto to see. Or if you're really industrious, you could swap that opto for another one to see if it's creating the same mm-hmm. intermittency. Clever troubleshooting there. Ah, see, I trained the wise Greg Bone. So, oh, yeah. thank you. So, well, yeah. th- and this is why I have trusted flipping out pinball for oh. all my Godzilla premium needs. I got the holla. But yeah, that's what I would try. Because yeah, okay. we've, well, thanks for the tips. Yeah, it's it was, uh, you know, normally for me, it's like if something works or doesn't, it's easy. You mm-hmm. know, it's always when it's kind of like optos I'm doing, can be tricksies. Yeah, and I and and all the switch tests, it's been perfect every mm-hmm. time. So it's made mm. me wonder. Well, maybe game state's confusing it. Yeah. But, but I'm not reading a bunch of other people whining a, that they're that's having a, the issues. Yeah, so. but that's a complex mech there, too, with that mechanical up and down. It is very complex, I but mean, it's so cool, I don't want to disable it. Yeah, man, man, well, I'm sure you will. Bah, 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 bah. We'll figure that one out. One time I had, uh, back before I did the my 
prior troubleshooting, I had I got Monster Zero, but I had to redo all my ball shots twice oh. because because in that it didn't it uh, the ball search would never feed it into the lock. Ultimately, it would re dis- disperse mm-hmm. the ball out, so I have to make the shot again. Oh. I did it too, and I got my Monster Zero. What was I? Gonna, I still haven't broken a billion. I'm trying because I don't want to be like Joel. I'm, I'm in the 900s, man. Trying to save me. <laughs> yeah, I got over 900. That's but where I, I'm at. That's, but that's not enough. It's not enough to be seen as great. <sighs> Do you think I could win Toy Story 4 since you did it? I think so. You're a better player than me, so I'm not sure no. that I could. No, I think you are. You you play more that. than me. Um, I got the drop but, catches down, though, don't I? Like, yeah, I do. Mm. But anyway, mm. people want to reach out to me. They can always email me, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast and shoot a message through the messenger tool. Those are the easiest direct ways to get a hold of me. And everybody wants to hear the next EGP episode to hear the latest installment of Rumor Kenny. Rumor I have a rumor for it. But I always write into the Eclectic Gamers if you got new rumors because the song demands that to be fed, the beast must feast. Can I get an update on your Jordan threes? Please tell me you are not wearing those whenever you're out trekking around uh, nope. through the bike they're on my They're on my shelf over here. I see them. <laughs> are they yellowing yet? On the shelf. No. Oh, nice. They're, in, they're, they're a bright. I keep them out of the sun and oh. out of light. They're you, they're in the closet on a special you shelf. You care. You're okay. safe. Don't worry. Can you promise Don't you me, fret. Can you promise me the next date that you go on that you'll wear them? Sure. I'll promise you anything you want. <sighs> You'll never know. You'll get late if you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be required to just keep the shoes on and that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there is a fetish out there. For, oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Chicks wearing You probably Jordans know the like industry term for it. No, too. Uh, you know. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Jordan Philia or something. Sneakerphilia. Sneakerphilia. <laughs> No, it's got to be Jordan specifically. Or oh, I guess you'll be like, "What is that Reebok?" She walks out. Hey, look! Last year's I wore was an Adidas. I, I purchased an Adidas the Ultra Boost. I actually have been yeah. wearing mostly Adidas lately. Ultra Boost are great. Two point if you can find them, even better. Mm. Uh, straight down the middle video series. Greg and I just recorded an episode, and we will have out very soon. Is it this or that? No, man. It, Greg was pushing that. I'm like, Dennis is the only person that likes those. He's like, no, that's it's a promise. Fair. People that's like fair. them. I'm like, oh. That's fair, as Joel would it's say. A, it's, it's a Toy Story 4 review. Oh. Uh-huh. The guys who sell the game giving a review of said game. Absolutely. People trust me. They know that numbers don't lie, and I only report facts, so they're like, we we get it. We understand. Did you do the recording after or before you did the wizard after. thing? I did it after. Oh, okay. So we, we, we so it be expand upon that as well. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And you can also buy a brand new or used pinball machine from Flipping Out Pinball. Flipping Out Vault's coming soon. Man, I need to figure out Wix. Figure out how to get a second e-commerce on the same. Product showcase this week are Jurassic Park accessories. We talked about them. The topper and the the armor. Get those quickly or uh, I think we're, we've been out of that stuff for like a year. So jump on those. And the die cut armor itself, if you're ever looking to match up your LE, Powder coats very nicely because it's die cut. So you don't have to worry about that. Looks beautiful. We're also taking orders for Toy Story 4, both LE and CE spots. We have Mandalorian Pro and Premium in stock. We have an Avengers Pro, I believe, in stock, as well as a pre-owned one in stock. Rush Pro and Premium in stock. Guns and Roses LE in stock. Cactus Canyon Remake SE in stock. Look at that. What a good dealer. Insider Connected kits. We have the Pros. Don't get me started on the Premium kits. Alien pre-orders we're taking. Queen pre-orders we are taking. Still have Dennis's favorite Elvira 40th anniversary number 40. 
I can't believe mm. my Deadpool LE hasn't sold yet. I'm warming up to it a little bit more. I've got it in my regular collection lineup now because I had a hole and I have to fit 10 sterns in my stern lineup. Right, right. That's what fits, and I can't put anything else in there. My friends call me weird, but uh, I'm warming up to it. Rules-wise, though, it's still no deeper than Toy Story 4. But don't tell yourselves that. Don't allow yourselves to know the truth. Corvette pre-owned, the pinball machine, not the car. Uh, Hopefully, accessories were going to come out soon for Rush and Godzilla and Mando and the toppers, anyway. Shaker Motors we have in stock. A lot of people are out of those. Golden Tees in stock, banners, merchandise, Escaleras. You know what? I can, uh, what? What is? Does Escalera uh, use the chips that Tesla uses? What, what's, I don't know what they're Why using. is the turnaround so slow on those? I don't know. They can't catch up. We have a couple extra maybe that we're getting that we ordered last year for shows. It didn't show up, so we might be getting those. So I might be able to help out a little bit. TPN last week, Brian White from Chicago Gaming Company was premiered and featured on the Flipping Out Pinball stream with BD and Gang. Ah. So go back and watch that if you want to see Brian White and BD go after hours and act goofy and BD half drunk. That was fun. Myself and Joe Lingleburg stream Toy Story 4, as we have talked about. Go watch that VOD. I did break it up for individuals that want to see just the killer game or if they just want to see the sing-a-thong, stream-a-thong, and then the tutorial piece pulled by itself. The Aussie Pinball Podcast had another episode. He's Mr. Consistency all of a sudden with Rob mm-hmm. Milla. Or is it yep, M- I got that downloaded to listen is to. It Mia? Uh, when this episode comes out, I'm going to listen to it Spanish? that day. Is it two L's turning to yeah? I don't know. Yes, in Spanish, yes. And yeah. this past week, the Silver Ball Super Social two times tournaments occurred. Uh, you can go watch the VOD on Fox City's Pinball. This week, I don't know what's going on this week. I do want to send a, a nice reminder out to you listeners that Naps Arcade has hit a lot of milestones here recently with followers and, and posts and, and such. And as a way to celebrate and honor that, he wanted to do a, a fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Hospital, which is near and dear to many of our hearts. I know that. So if you have a second, if you can spare any expense, please go over to naparcade.org and follow the link and so that you can donate and help out the cause. Because Jason Knapp's been giving this industry a lot, especially over the last year or two. Um, I don't think it would hurt any of us to go for a darn good uh, cause to go help out St. Jude at the same time. So do so today. All right, for Dennis Creasel, I'm Zach Minnie. And remember, folks, if you're a distributor, perhaps of a major high price pinball machine, and oh, you're going to go on a stream and you're going to play it, maybe when we're talking about $12,000 plus dollar products, you don't go and blow up the wizard mode on the very first game and convince everyone that, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't going to last a long time in my collection. It will! <laughs> Bolted! <laughs> And always practice safe pinball. I appreciate you guys so much and I need your help. Gary Stern indicates that Back to the Future is a data license just so the Stern Pinball knows this is quite rubbish. Email info at sternpinball.com and let them know how badly you want and would buy, 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 buy. a pinball machine themed around one of the greatest intellectual properties known in history, Back to the Future. Just info at sternpinball.com. We want Back to the Future. Please, Gear Bear, please. Talk to you all next week. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you keep that one in. Uh, <laughs> I'll take that one. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry. I decided I'd get my bike water bottle out and put it in the freezer so I could have. Mm-hmm.
have it frozen when I pedal out here later. Oh, you are going to bike. Okay. I think I just decided. I'm like, eh, it doesn't look hot out. So Please tell I'm me you have a little bell on the bar. I do. <laughs> do you really? I, I do have a bell. Not that type, though. Oh, man. Like, it's a little, no, no, no. That's a horn. An air it's horn? A, it's one where you just, uh, it doesn't do the cha-ching, cha-ching. Oh, it's a cool it's, sound. It does a high, it just does a high, it's just a brass bell. So you strike it once, it just goes. Only but it's very piercing. can hear it? Yeah, it's extremely piercing. Do you have lights on there? No. <sighs> Turn signal? I thought about getting a light. A lot of people seem to use them now. I used to remember having a light on the head. Headlight and then the generator, you'd have to pedal. Yep, back. I had one of those on my bike as a kid. They now have LED ones that I assume are rechargeable or maybe solar or something. Yeah, powering an incandescent, you really got to yeah, pedal. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, but it made it so hard to pedal. Yeah, it did. You really like a hamster. It was like, I think I'd rather just crash. <laughs> and then if you coasted, it was, it was like, oh no, I'm out of lights. You got to go faster, but that, mm-hmm. that messes up the whole principle of this. Uh, I don't think you would like that. Jesus. <laughs> oh, fuck! It was so good, too! Can I do that one, or is it bad? It's pretty bad. Oh, That wasn't so good, I'm going to have trouble getting over that one.